Hello and welcome to Nick's Nat 4 Neologisms episode 56, where we define and discuss the most amazing words in the English language. If you'd like to support this podcast, please visit anchor.fm forward slash Nick hyphen Nordstrom. That's anchor.fm forward slash Nick hyphen Nordstrom. And you can find a donate button on that page. Last episode, we covered deleterious, ruse, and ineluctable. And in this episode, we're covering agnosia, reprobate, and clemency. Before we start our new words, let's review our words from last episode. Our first word was deleterious, and we thought of deleting something from our lives. And I don't want to say what we're deleting because then I'd be giving away the definition. So what was the definition of deleterious? Deleterious means something that causes harm or injury, and we thought of deleting because deleterious has the word delete in it, deleting that which was harmful from our lives. Then we had the word ruse, and we thought of how a shopkeeper might reuse old goods for what? That's our hint. Do you remember the definition of ruse? It means that which is used to deceive or trick. So the shopkeeper would reuse old goods and sell them as new in order to deceive the customer into thinking they were buying something new when they were not. And so his ruse was selling old goods as new. Our last word was ineluctable, and our mnemonic was to think of something ineluctable, something we cannot elect. Do you remember the definition of ineluctable? Ineluctable means unavoidable or inescapable. So when we thought ineluctable, we were thinking that which we cannot elect. We have no choice in the matter. It's inescapable. It's ineluctable. All right, that wraps it up for our review. Let's move on to our new words. Our first word is agnosia. They have um, spatial agnosia, topographic agnosia. If you don't know what you're looking at, you don't know where you are. An incident of visual agnosia led to the neurologist Oliver Sacks giving what title to his clinical tales, first published in 1985? Oxford Brooks The man who mistook his wife for a hat? Correct. Another possibility is that uh, people have something called mirror agnosia. And that's where people believe that a mirror works like a window and they think that the stranger is on the other side of the window looking in on them. Agnosia. A-G-N-O-S-I-A. Agnosia. By the way it's spelled, it looks like it could be pronounced agnosia, but it's agnosia. It's a noun and it means the inability to interpret sensations. Agnosia. The inability to interpret sensations. Our five senses are, of course, vision, hearing, taste, smell, and touch. And someone with agnosia has these sensations, but they are unable to make sense of them. People diagnosed with agnosia usually have had some sort of traumatic brain injury. The way we can remember this word's definition is by focusing on its word root, gnosis, G-N-O-S-I-S, gnosis, which means knowledge, and the prefix a, which means without. So someone who has agnosia is someone who is without knowledge because they are unable to interpret their sensations. And we already know a lot of words with the word root gnosis in it, like ignorant, agnostic, diagnosis, prognosis. All of those words have to do with knowledge. So by focusing on this word's root, we should be able to remember its definition. If we have agnosia, we are agnosic, agnosic, that's the adjective. Here are some examples of agnosia used in a sentence. 
Typically, children have a period of normal language development followed by a period of language regression with auditory agnosia. Those with severe Alzheimer's disease often develop a kind of agnosia where they are unable to recognize even their closest loved ones. Have you ever spun around so fast you developed visual agnosia because it appeared as though the world was spinning so quickly you couldn't tell what you were looking at? It's hypothesized by researchers that if you anesthetize the entire body while keeping the subject conscious, they will eventually develop tactile agnosia, the inability to recognize objects by the way they feel. My character, Dr. P, suffers from visual agnosia. He has hallucinations without any drugs. There's agnosia, and agnosia is a disorder which isn't blindness, because the person could still see perfectly well. Their eyes are intact. But rather, um, what happens in agnosia is they, they, they lose the ability to recognize certain things. A woman wrote to me saying, I believe that three people in my immediate family have visual agnosia. My father, a sister, and myself. We each have traits in common with your Dr. P, but hopefully not to the same degree. All right, that's the word agnosia, and we thought of the prefix a meaning without, and the word root gnosis meaning knowledge, without knowledge. So someone who is agnosic is incapable of interpreting their senses. Let's move on to our next word, which is reprobate. I was 16 at the time, and um, there was a very strong chance of being in a reprobate, rep probate program, a juvenile delinquency um, program, which would sort of last on your record forever. I'm a drunk, I'm a reprobate, but nothing but an embarrassment to my family for years now. My life, I never thought it would turn out to be like this, worth nothing at all. Now the Tom Hanks, part, the drunken guy who gets the job of, of being their coach, uh, uh, a reprobate, and turns into quite a, a meaningful and powerful mentor character. Can be dishonest or immoral or a reprobate. Reprobate, R-E-P-R-O-B-A-T-E, reprobate, R-E-P-R-O-B-A-T-E. It's a noun and it's an adjective and it means an unprincipled person or someone who is unprincipled. In Christianity, this word means a person who is rejected by God and incapable of salvation, reprobate. Reprobate is a pejorative word, and we hope no one will ever call us a reprobate, but I will say if you give me enough drinks, I might be able to get there. The way we can remember this word is by thinking of reprobate as rep rob eight, reprobate, rep rob eight, and a reprobate is someone who repeatedly Rep repeatedly robs, robs, another person and eats or ates all their food. Rep rob ate, repeatedly robs another person and eats or ates all their food. And a robber, of course, is an unprincipled person. Some synonyms of reprobate are bad, corrupt, degenerate, foul, wanton, immoral, sinful. This is not a good word. Here are some examples of reprobate used in a sentence. Reprobate as he himself was, this work of villainy was new to him and seemed to be very terrible. While Janice pretended to be a good girl, she was really a reprobate who would do anything to get what she wanted. Only a reprobate would kill an old, blind woman. Even though John is a reprobate who robs banks for a living, I still find him very attractive. Thinking in our generation has become so reprobate that evil is now called good 
and good is now called evil. And he turns them over to immorality, homosexuality, and a reprobate mind. That's the cycle of human history. Nice thing to call your kid, I found out later. <laughs> if I was doing something wrong, she's like, hey, reprobate, go clean your room, but don't do that anymore. It's, like, it's not a nice thing. So but that's the name of this photo, reprobate. You know, that gives you any idea. I don't think there's any photos of you with your head chopped off. Not yet. Be nice. <laughs> yeah, you have to do something really wrong first. <laughs> All right, that's the word reprobate. And we thought of rep rob ate, someone who repeatedly robs someone to eat or ate their food. Let's move on to our last word, which is clemency. Ultimately not. The appeals for, for, for clemency were successful. So, so that's great news. That's, there's the light. Now, um, in terms of Snowden, I'm on record. Uh, I would not give him clemency. I don't think he was entitled by himself to decide what information should be disclosed and what not. And there is a real whistleblower procedure in the United States. Others use it. It exists there for a reason. He should have used what he was allowed to do under the law. And so his finances were taken away from him. And when we released him, gave him clemency, his finances were fully restored. Clemency, C-L-E-M-E-N-C-Y. Clemency, C-L-E-M-E-N-C-Y. Clemency, it's a noun, and it means mercy or leniency. So a clement, that's the adjective of clemency, a clement teacher is a teacher who catches you in the hall without a pass but doesn't say anything. So I don't know about you, but I've been feeling pretty bored lately, and to be honest, I'm kind of tired of wearing a face mask despite the fact that it hides my ugly face and the small bits of celery wedged in between my teeth after lunch. So I've been thinking of adding a little trouble to my life, and because I've enjoyed having you as a listener, I thought the two of us could partake in a little mindless vandalism. You know, the kind you did as a middle schooler, maybe break a few windows, tag a few sidewalks, stuff like that. I thought we could go to our local police station and write YOLO and lipstick on a few of their cruisers. And then of course we'll get caught because that's part of the fun. And when we come before the judge, we hope she will demonstrate clemency. We want the judge who was like, Hey, I get it. You guys were bored. You're both well beyond your 30s. In fact, Nick, you're 36, even though you look like you're 50. And you know, from time to time, I too get in a little trouble. So I'm just going to sentence you to both five hours of community service, despite the fact it's going to take about 20 hours of labor to clean up the silly little mess you made. You guys are so silly. Next time you should invite me. That's the kind of clement judge we're looking for. A judge who isn't afraid to show a little clemency here and there. So our mnemonic for this word is a little weak, so I'm going to ask for your clemency here. But if you look at the word clemency and you just replace the letter N with an R, you'll see you have the word mercy in there. So clemency becomes clemercy, and bam, we remember clemency means mercy. Here are some examples of clemency used in a sentence. The Justice Department wants lawyers to help nonviolent drug offenders get clemency to leave jail. The New York Times urged the Obama administration to offer Edward Snowden a plea bargain or some form of clemency. He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in showing clemency. How many innocent people are arrested, brutalized, and imprisoned without charge and after some time granted clemency? In a reciprocal humanitarian gesture, six Iranian Americans and one Iranian serving sentences or awaiting trial in the United States are being granted clemency. Now, these individuals were not charged with terrorism or any violent offenses. 
They're civilians, and the release is a one-time gesture to Iran. And, you know, usually in clemency situations, there is a period of time between when you've been granted the clemency and then when you are able to walk out of prison. Lord Fitzroy Somerset, General uh, Thomas Graham, Lord Lindoch, and Alexander Dixon all appeal to Wellington for clemency. Well, there was none. And it was many weeks before Ramsey was released from uh, his confinement. All right, that's the word clemency, and we replace the N in clemency with an R to form the word mercy to remember its definition. Let's review our three words, and then we're going to play a little game. Our first word was agnosia, and we looked at the word root to remember its definition. What does agnosia mean? It means not being able to interpret your sensations. Then we had reprobate, and we thought of rep rob eight. What does reprobate mean? Oh, that's a hard one. Reprobate. That's a hard word for me to say. Reprobate means an unprincipled person. And then we add clemency and we replace the N with an R. What does clemency mean? It means mercy or lenience. So our three words are agnosia, reprobate, and clemency. I'm going to give you a sentence, and then I want you to correctly fill in the blank with one of our words, agnosia, reprobate, or clemency, so that it completes the sentence. Are you ready? Here we go. Here's our first sentence. And yet, need it be said that this blank was beyond the reach of all forgiveness. So we're filling in the blank here with one of our three words. And yet, need it be said that this blank was beyond the reach of all forgiveness. And yet, need it be said that this reprobate was beyond the reach of all forgiveness. He couldn't see, he couldn't tell me who I was, he didn't seem to recognize a song he himself had written. It's as though some form of blank had overcome him. He couldn't see, he couldn't tell me who I was, he didn't seem to recognize a song he himself had written. It's as though some form of blank had overcome him. It's as though some form of agnosia had overcome him. The blank was five foot tall, wore a face mask, and told me, give me your money or give me your life. The blank was five foot tall, wore a face mask, and told me, give me your money or give me your life. The reprobate was five foot tall, wore a face mask, and told me, give me your money or give me your life. No, said the defendant. I don't want any blank given to this man. He killed my father and my husband. No, said the defendant, I don't want any blank given to this man. He killed my father and my husband. I don't want any clemency given to this man. What exactly is blank? Is it forgiveness? Is it the inability to be just? Does it depend on the situation, on the character of the accused? What exactly is blank? Is it forgiveness? Is it the inability to be just? Does it depend on the situation, on the character of the accused? What exactly is clemency? The old withering man sat at the edge of his wheelchair. I can hear your voice, he said, and I know who you are, but I don't recognize your face because I've been diagnosed with blank. The old withering man sat at the edge of his wheelchair. I can hear your voice, he said, and I know who you are, but I don't recognize your face because I've been diagnosed with blank. But I don't recognize your face because I've been diagnosed with agnosia. All right, that wraps it up for episode 56. I hope you enjoyed the episode. I want to give a quick shout out to At Wasserman 
for leaving me a review back in May. He said, not only, holy cow, that's almost a year ago. Well, not really a year, like maybe nine months. He said, not only do I look forward to studying for the GRE every day, but my verbal score has also increased significantly since I started listening. That's awesome. I am addicted to this podcast and listen to it every commute and every walk around my college town. I have shared this podcast with many friends who are also in the process of studying for the GRE, and they too have found it immensely helpful. Thank you so much for all your work you do, both on this podcast and as a nurse. Keep fighting that good fight and maybe post a few more podcasts soon. Thank you so much for that review, my friend. That was awesome. And thanks for sharing it with your friends. If you haven't already, please leave me a review on iTunes. I read them all and it helps others just like you find my podcast. If you'd like to support this podcast beyond leaving a review, please go to anchor.fm forward slash Nick hyphen Nordstrom. That's anchor.fm forward slash Nick hyphen Nordstrom. Click the donate button and you can become a monthly donor. Thanks for listening and I'll see you on episode 57. Bye-bye.